This morning's reading is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23, uh, which is on page 978 in the Red Bibles, and I, there are other page numbers for other versions of the Bible in other languages on the screen. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at the first verse. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets... And righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth Choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil 
refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Helen. Uh, let's, um, let's pray as we, as we begin. Heavenly Father, we pray that we may indeed hear your word and that it may find good uh, uh, root in the soil of our hearts and may grow um, and bring forth life. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So would you please turn to uh, Matthew 13, or should I say 2113? That's the only rugby reference, by the way. That was the score. Okay, just as a... That's it. We've, uh, we've had our gloat. Um, so we're going to be thinking this morning about how the kingdom works, how it works. And we need to understand this or else we will not understand the tension that we feel as Christians. Subconsciously, and I say this subconsciously, we feel the Christian gospel ought to get huge popular acclaim. Everybody should love it. Um, I, I watched a movie uh, this last week. Um, it's uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. So I happen to love Queen. It's, it's great. And that's, uh, that's the iconic uh, uh, concert uh, for Live Aid uh, at Wembley Stadium. Uh, Time magazine called it the best set ever performed. Um, and it got huge public acclaim. And I want to say subconsciously, we feel... Why doesn't everybody love this Christian message? <laughs> because if you, if you think about it, I mean, um, the very truest and best message, that's the gospel, delivered by the very best preacher that ever lived, Jesus. Well, actually, it's striking, striking isn't it? It got some support, but actually, it also got rising opposition, didn't it? It didn't get the public acclaim that we feel. Um, and indeed, in the end, Jesus was crucified. So we need to understand how the gospel works. It, it isn't something that gets popular acclaim. Um, and chapter 13 is going to talk us through how this gospel grows in a world where some hate it and some love it, <laughs> just like Marmite, <laughs> as you heard Earlier on. So we're going to look at three things that have kind of opposites in them, and, um, and, and, and it'll, hopefully it will help you understand how, um, how, the, how the kingdom of heaven works. And the first thing is that the kingdom of heaven looks weak, but actually it is, it is powerful. Uh, by the end of chapter 12, uh, which Paul was preaching on last week, there's a growing opposition and the growing misunderstanding about Jesus. Opposition from the Pharisees, but also his own family don't understand him. And so he turns to telling parables. And chapter 13 is full of parables of the kingdom. And uh, it must have seemed rather strange that Jesus was sitting by the shore, huge crowds came, the preacher is up, what's he going to do? So he jumps in a boat because there's so many people there. And then he gives a talk about farming methods in Palestine. And people must have thought, well, what's going on here? It's very strange. But actually, as he explains it later to his disciples, verse 18 
Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Um, it, it is about the sower sowing a message about the kingdom. He's sowing the seed of the word. And that is the task that we have been given. And it does not seem very powerful. The word, a message, seems weak, doesn't it? But if the seed is the word of God, then it's a living thing. If you were to plant glass in your garden and watered it, nothing would happen. But this word is the word of life. The seed is called the word of God. And by that word, God made the world. By that word, he caused the stars to come into being. Do you remember that, that lovely little phrase in Genesis 1? He made the stars also. It, it, it's, this, it's this brilliant phrase at the, at the beginning of all creation. And God said. And when God's word goes out, let there be light. It, it happens. I did try it once in a staff meeting. I said, you know, because we needed such a light on, let there be light, and nothing happened. <laughs> because my word is not powerful, but his word is, you see. And, 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 and this, this, this powerful word is coming into the world. And this word is not just information about the way that God has ordered the world. It is a living thing, and it takes root in people's hearts and minds, and it recreates them. It makes you spiritually, spiritually alive. It's an extraordinary thing, this power of the words. But it's hidden. You know, if you look at the parables, it's hidden. It's sown. It's, it's in the ground. You can't see it. It looks like nothing. But uh, in, in, in 1 Peter, this word, um, if I can find that reference in 1 Peter, I think it's in chapter 1. Um, whoops, that was 2 Peter. One, one, one Peter, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of the imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Uh, and then he goes, this word is, is the word that was preached to you. It's an imperishable seed, which means that you will be made alive and you will live forever. It's a really powerful thing. And that is, of course, what happened. This Tiny, weak seed of the gospel of the kingdom was preached in Palestine. It, was, it, was, it, it took root in, in 12 uh, apostles, 11 in the end, and, uh, and in a small band of people. But watered, as it were, by the Holy Spirit, it grew to fill the whole world. It spread across the whole world. It's a huge harvest and if you're a Christian today, or if you've been drawn to church today because of the Word of God, just picture this Word working in you, this extraordinary living Word of God, if I can put it like that. It's not making you busier, it's making you wiser, it's making you deeper, it's making you stronger, it's making you tougher, yet more gentle. The kingdom of heaven seems weak to the world but it's the power of God 
But this word, this message, both blinds and reveals. And uh, so the, the, the puzzling thing, I mean, we, we, you, you, you know the parable of the serpent pretty well. You know, it falls on hard ground, it falls on rocky ground, and it falls on um, uh, a ground with, uh, with uh, weeds and so on and so forth. And then it falls on the good soil. And uh, the disciples um, sort of say, well, why, why are you speaking in parables? Why are you speaking in parables? Well, this is the way the kingdom works. Um, it's not only weak, but it's, but it's powerful. It's, it, it, it blinds and it reveals. And this has been a puzzle uh, for people. I don't know whether you, you know, when you listen to verses 11 uh, through to... Um, uh, 17, you must have thought, this is, I never get this bit. I never get this bit. I, I, I can teach the parable of the sower at Sunday school and it's fine. But I don't get the bit in the middle. <laughs> Do you ever feel that? Well, let's have a crack at it and see how we get on. Um, if you read it through. So, uh, verse 11, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven be given to you and not to them. That's why I speak in parables. Oh, oh, what does that mean? Whoever has will be given more. They will have an abundance. Okay. But whoever does not have, there's the negative. Even what they have will be taken away. That's why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they don't hear. They're hearing. They don't hear or understand. And then in them is fulfilled this prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing but never understanding and you'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. People's heart is going to become calloused. Uh, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. And you're thinking, so I really don't understand this. <laughs> What's that saying? There's a, there's, a, there's a positive side. Jesus is going to give people more and explain more truth. And in another way, as he preaches this message, people are going to sort of turn away, and, and uh, their hearts are going to be hardened, and they're going to fall asleep, and and so on and so forth. What's going on? Well, parables, sometimes people think that parables are like a code. And there is an element of that. Um, I don't know whether you as parents speak in code. You know, in front of your kids? We used to. So and so. Well, they're very interesting. That was a key word we used to use, you know. Um, they had interesting clothes on, don't you think? You know, and uh, we would just be talking at, 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 at the breakfast table, and the kids were quite small, you know. And then one of them said, "I know what you mean when you say interesting." <laughs> Unfortunately, somebody else was there. You mean they're batty or something like that, you know? Whatever, you know. And they they cracked the code. So, uh, um, so sometimes people think, well, it's it's code. Well, it's it's a, it's a bit more than that. He was to preach. Isaiah was given. Behind this is Isaiah 6. And if you look at Isaiah 6's call, he was told to preach so that their hearts would be hardened. And so the judgment would come upon the land and it would almost be laid waste until there was but a stump left. And then out of that stump would come a shoot, the shoot of Jesse. And that would, of course, be the Messiah. And when the message is preached, do you not find actually that there is both a positive reaction and a negative reaction. Light comes into the world and the very shining of the light seems to push some people away. It appears repulsive to them. It simply confirms them in their unbelief. And God is saying, look, I'm in charge of all of this. And some people are just going to be blinded by this message. 
Now, now, I know you've got loads of questions right now because surely you want everybody to know. Yeah, some people are going to be blinded and there's a purpose behind that. And I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. But it is a reason, isn't it, why some of us are instinctively careful about how we speak to people about the gospel. Because we know if we give them too much, they're just going to turn away. So actually, um, I don't think we're necessarily bad witnesses at, the, at, at this time. We flog ourselves with guilt, actually, um, saying, oh, we should, you know, we should say more. But it's actually sometimes very hard to say because we want the message to be received. So we're careful about how we, how we try and communicate. So I don't actually think it's your fault <laughs> and that you find it very hard to talk about the Christian gospel. Because you instinctively know if you kind of came in full bore, you know, um, they're just going, well, that, that's it. They don't want to know. But you see, what I think I'm saying is, is, that, is that God is in charge of this whole communication and some people are going to be blinded. Right, now that's not the whole story. Because there is another reason for parables and we didn't read it, but it's over the page in chapter... Um, so in verse 34, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, verse 34. And, and then he quotes another bit of the Old Testament. So was fulfilled, and it's in Psalm 78, what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So there is a sense in which parables also reveal. And they reveal tremendous truths. So the parable of the mustard seed is, uh, is, is, is actually, it's, it's something very small. Though it seems small, it's going to be the biggest thing. It, it reveals something about the kingdom of God. And Psalm 78 is a psalm that, that takes you through the whole story of Israel, but in the way that it's told, it reveals something fresh and new. So, so this is weird. We've got this word that is, is blinding some people, but it's revealing to other people. But why, why in God's sovereignty are some people blinded by this word? And I want to say, <clears throat> I think it is to frustrate them. You say, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, read, let, me, let, let me read these words of Isaiah again. I, I think sometimes we don't, people don't hear the word and it, it, it sort of frustrates them that they don't. And it begins to sort of work away in the heart. Let me read these words of Isaiah to you again and see if I can try and get this across. This is the hardest bit of the sermon, by the way. And if I'm not doing very well, I apologize. But anyway, let me try. <clears throat> In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. And you see, if I say it like that, do you see that actually it's one of those sorts of things that we sometimes play with our kids, isn't it? Where, where you, you, you sort of 
wake up, you know, and then, oh, whoa, whoa, what's going on? There's, there's something important here. Uh, imagine there's a room where the secret of the world is in the, the wisdom of the world is in this room, and uh, the Lord closes the door, and it's closed, but you, you know the wisdom of the world is in this room, and you can't get in, so you start to try and pick the lock to get at the secret of wisdom, or you plead with the key holder, please open this to me. I think that's the purpose of parables. They're meant to puzzle you, and then they sort of work away. What was he saying? What was this stuff about seeds and farming in Palestine? What was he, what was he going on about? And it, it has that sort of effect on you, do you see? He is trying to, to soften your heart, to rekindle the desire to know God. He slams the door and invites you to pick the lock. That's how the kingdom of God works. So I don't think that the blinding is just simply because God doesn't want people to get into the kingdom of heaven. I think it's his way of frustrating you. <laughs> so you say, so what is this all about? That's why, why folk come to our evangelistic group, Christianity Explored. You know, they, they don't get it, but there's a, there's, 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 a, there's a what is it all about thing. And when that happens, that's a really good sign. Okay, you're probably confused, but at a deeper level. So let's go on to the third point. There is failure, but there is greater success. And this is the part that I think we probably will understand. How then do we understand and respond to this word? So Jesus explains the parable of the This is how the kingdom works. And you are responsible for how you hear. The seed is the seed of the word of God, the message about the kingdom. And it comes to you. And we should take care how we hear his word. You are responsible for how you hear. What kind of ears have you got to the word of God? You see, that middle bit confused you a little bit, didn't it? But I hope it confused you enough to say, I really want to think this through. Right, so how do you hear? Have you got pavement ears? Okay, this is uh, one way of talking about it. Um, the seed came and it fell on the, on, the, uh, on the ground. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So it's in one ear and out the next. Some people have got ears like that. Haven't heard a word that's been said this morning thinking about something else. Or you have shallow ears. Okay, the seed is falling on rocky ground. It refers to someone who hears the word and wants to receive it with joy. So they go, oh, this is great. I love this. This is fantastic. What a nice group of people there are in church today. This is wonderful. But it doesn't go deep. It doesn't go deep. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. You mean this is going to cost me something? And so um, they fall away because it has not gone in deep. Or, and this one is perhaps a common one for us, the seed falling among thorns, verse 22, refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So the word does get in, but there are other things that are competing with God in your life. And uh, 
and, 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 and they crowd in. And it just doesn't give the word a chance to grow. You can't love God and mammon, uh, Jesus said. You can't, you know, there, there are these things that, oh yeah, the most important thing is, I don't know, whatever it is, um, you, you know exactly when this happens. I mean, fortunately, the Lord is merciful and you don't stay like that. But it does mean that you're not hearing properly. So many other concerns in life. So the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. That's, that's receives it, takes it on board. And it's not just a mental understanding, it takes it in here. And the harvest this one person has is an astonishing harvest, a hundredfold, 60 or 30 times what was sown. It's an extraordinary harvest. So there is failure, but there is tremendous success. And we need to be responsible for how we hear. But secondly, can I say you are not responsible for how other people hear? We as a church, we have to be winsome. Look, I know if you are a Christian, I know you want your friends, your family, I know you want them to become Christians, your colleagues, I know you do. Um, and and, and, and we, 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 we want to be winsome, we want to be sensitive, we, we're prayerful for others. But if you read the press, I want you to notice how the press um, puts the blame firmly on you, very naughtily. They will tell you, look, your numbers of people attending church in the UK are going down. And it's your fault. You know, just that in the press, it's your fault. Uh, you need to get with the program, <laughs> says me, quoting an ex-prime minister, and change your message. <laughs> Maybe you're singing the wrong songs or whatever. And certainly there are always better ways of doing things in church, yes. And we mustn't go off message, off the message of Jesus and the Bible. But we can easily blame ourselves. But actually, when the press make this comment and say, it's your fault, church, actually, it's a comment on the spiritual failure of the nation, isn't it? What should be happening with this glorious message? This glorious message is better than finding the cure for cancer. And can I tell you, that would be a wonderful thing to find. If we had something better than the cure for cancer in this church, what should be happening? What should be happening is that people are battering down the walls of this church. We're going to have to plant loads more churches. Uh, and, and the people will be saying, teach us the word of the Lord. Give us this word of life. Churches better be ready for that. So you're not responsible. And, and we shouldn't take that upon ourselves. We must be winsome. We must do the best we can. We must continue to plant churches. Absolutely. But we're not responsible for how the UK responds to the word of God. All right? Just, it's kind of obvious, really, when you think about it that way around. So what are we to do? We are to keep faith that the word will do its work. Wherever you plant a church that teaches the word of God... Growth will come. 
I really believe that. That's why we do what we do in terms of building the base to reach the city. And um, here, in particular, we, uh, as in every church, we, we, we teach people what this word is. When you walked into church, and I've seen these around somewhere, did you notice on the, on the mats that we walked in, it says build base? Did you see that? Did you read it on the mats out there, build base? I think it's a brilliant thing. We should keep those. No, probably not build, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's a great thing, isn't it? That's what we're doing. We're building the base. And what are we doing when we're building the base? We're giving people like yourselves, like the next congregation with all those young students, like the 20s and 30s, um, uh, you know, throughout the, the, the whole age group, what, what are we giving? We're giving you a new language. The language of God. Okay? Now, if you read Psalm 114, it says, when the people of, uh, of Israel, when they left, when they came out of Egypt, they came out from a people of a foreign tongue. They came out from the world of Egypt. And then God built them up and taught them and so on and so forth. And then, unfortunately, because they didn't listen to the word of God, they then went into exile, right? And they went into exile to Babylonia of people with a foreign tongue, foreign language. So there was a whole world of understanding over there in Egypt. There's a whole world of understanding which is not gospel over, over here in Babylon. But, but what were they meant to do when they were... Uh, with, um, in Jerusalem and in Israel, they were to learn the language of God. And that is what we're meant to do as a church as well. It's, a, it's not the language of Zion, you know, the holy language of Zion. It's, um, it's a new way of thinking and speaking. And it's not the language of the world. It's not the language of folly, of greed, inanity, self-importance, deceit. The church is to be the pillar and bulwark of the truth. And so we are building the base with this word. And when that word takes root in a person's heart, can I tell you, it is the most powerful thing. So I need to stop. So here we go. What is this? This is a grave, I think it's in Essex, of Lady Anne Grimston. She was apparently a famous atheist, and she had no time for the message, and her heart was impenetrable. And her grave was a thick slab of stone or marble. I'm not quite sure what that is, but it's something like that. And yet, as they, had, as they, as they dug this grave, um, unbeknown to um, the family, an acorn seed fell in the grave. And it grew, and it grew. And it became a huge tree that cracked the marble. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, go and see this one. You can go and see it. It's just absolutely marvelous. And as if to say, nothing can stop the word of God from going forth. Friends, that's what we're about. That's what we're about. There is power in the word of God. Of course, please, watered by the Spirit. Of course, it's the Spirit that actually makes that real to us. And, and, and I would love to do a whole series on the Spirit. But anyway, that's another time. So keep preaching this word. Keep teaching it. Keep obeying it. Keep taking it into your heart and mind. Keep sharing it. Keep living it. It will grow. That's the way the kingdom works. Not in an instant, as the parable of the weeds and the wheat tell you later on, but it will grow. It will seem small, 
that I tell you it will be a tree that will fill the whole earth and the birds will find their shade in it. It's the very, very best and most powerful thing already at work in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you may give us great confidence uh, to build the base with the, with the seed of the word so that it would crack open the marble slabs of unbelief uh, that surround us in the world today and draw those who seem to have been blinded, frustrate them, as it were, into seeing the wonder of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This we pray in his name. Amen.